Ladies and gentlemen, hello. Welcome to the Vox Podcast here at Election Central uh, in Columbus, Ohio, the heart of everything, and from Northern California, Auburn, a suburb of what? What is Auburn a suburb of? Anything? I don't know. I guess... How far Roseville via Sacramento, like 30 30 minutes from Sacramento. All right, we'll call it. We'll call it a a suburb ish of Sacramento. Suburbish. Yes, these are these the election hotspots, and so welcome to the show. We are in the middle. Everyone's waiting on pins and needles for Auburn's uh, (laughs) voice in this. Yes. Well, friends. um, Needless to say, we're recording this on Friday, November sixth, which feels like the third day of Tuesday or the fourth day of Tuesday. No, the third day of Tuesday. <laughs> Just the way you phrase that whole thing feels appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody, I saw somebody say from the year that brought you six months of April comes <laughs> three days of two uh, of election Tuesday. There's been really good Groundhog's Day memes going around too. Of uh, Bill Murray just being like, it's election day again. Again. Um, and for Calvinists, every day is election day, but that's an inside (laughs) theological joke. Now, um, so maybe when we release this on Monday, we will have some concept of where this sucker's going. Um, as it stands at the moment, we're recording things are leaning Biden's direction. Uh, but we, you know, like with everything, uh, this year, uh, it will be chaos right up to the last last minute. So, um, so it, we were joking um, off air that uh, it's been tough to focus on much this week. I think for a whole heck of a lot of us, uh, hitting refresh over and over and over again is not has not sped things along, which is very disappointing. Because I I always yeah, think, and I don't I don't feel refreshed. I, that's the that's the worst part. <laughs> Well, I mean, it works with elevators, right? If you press the button a lot, it, it works or stop signals, right? Of course not, <laughs> but it somehow makes me feel better. Um, so so we want to do a couple of things today. Number one, we want to thank uh, two of our new uh, Patreon members. We want to thank Dara. And we want to thank Jacob for coming on board this week. And uh, as always, we're super grateful for the support. Um, the podcast is... Uh, a major part of you know what we think um, we're supposed to be about in, uh, in in life these days, and so it's it's very encouraging that people continue to join our team and help us produce this. Uh, so thank you for that. If you want to find out more, go to Patreon.com um, and type in Vox Podcast with Mike Erie. You could type in Tim Stafford, but I don't know. I actually don't know what you would get if you type in Tim Stafford. Tim, do you have anything? Awesome. I don't, but I'm curious now. Yes, probably a rugged, probably Tim Stafford creating English syllabi for college students. You know, there are there are two other Tim Staffords out there that I have been confused with more than once. One was the guy that wrote all the books on. He's a Christian author that wrote a bunch of books on love in the '90s. Wow. And then there's a really uh, froey froey hair mustache, uh, um, like folk guitar player. When my record went on Spotify or on uh, iTunes, we had some discrepancies. Not with, not between the two of us. We we uh, found each other and became friends. But his fans were not excited about my music when they bought it. Oh come on! They're like, "What is this?" That's marketing genius, is what that is. 
That's why we're Vox. Um, so anyway, you can check all of that out. We want to we want to talk just a little bit about the uh, the experience this week uh, for for people of faith in the midst of the chaos that is happening, and then of course we're going to dive back into the Sermon on the Mount. So boo, boo, boo. so I observed Timothy John an interesting dynamic at play um, on Election Tuesday. Uh, there were a whole bunch of, of, of us, myself included, trying to just, you know, say basic sort of theological considerations about this is, this is a great time to be practicing the upside down kingdom. Um, uh, Aslan is still on the move. That's my favorite one, you know, which is mm-hmm. in the kingdom still advancing. But I, I saw as I, as I kind of engaged in social media, I saw, a, I don't know, a relatively high degree of pushback to any, like, theological language like that. Um, now, for reasons we've talked about before, the whole God is in control line, we're not big fans of. Um, it's yeah. unhelpful at best um, and, and may not be true in the way that we think it's true at worst. Uh, but I, I kind of have always, you know, Jesus is on the throne. I always thought that was kind of okay. But there were a large number of uh, more progressive folks objecting to that sentiment. And uh, and I thought that was interesting. I just thought that was interesting. So I, I read, I came across this right here. Somebody said, as a pastor, I want to encourage folks to avoid toxic theology today and every day. Quote, no matter what happens, Jesus is king, unquote, is a form of faith that invalidates the lived experiences of faithful people all over the country who have been harmed by this administration. So so toxic theology uh, is identified with the phrase, no matter what happens, Jesus is king, at least in this instance. And, um, and then there was another... Um, Another one, and and this represents, I don't know, maybe a dozen or more that I saw. Uh, We know that Jesus is still on the throne. Oh, no, dear American pastors, we know that Jesus is still on the throne. We don't need you to tell us that. It's dismissive and patronizing and theologically manipulative. Jesus was on the throne during the rise of many evil men. Don't distract from what's happening with platitudes. See also... God is still in control. We need, we just need more Jesus and anything else that sounds like a chorus of a worship song that you're going to use to spiritually thump people for feeling real grief about the state of our country. So, um, uh, and, and I've seen this, this sentiment um, called toxic positivity, which I didn't know was a phrase, but it's probably true, and spiritual bypassing. All right, which... My goodness, they're so. I, I ha, my lexicon for for this stuff needs expanding pretty pretty uh, rapidly. But I think here's what I hear in this, um, in, in this concern, and I don't know this is worth much of a conversation. But um, so I hear first that that phrase can be used in a way that's very dismissive of people's felt reality. So I'm upset, I'm lamenting, I've experienced injustice, I'm angry, and this is just an over-spiritualized way of saying, calm down. 
right? Or don't be anxious or whatever, right? Jesus is on the throne. It'll be fine. Um, and I can see that. I can certainly see it being used in that way, right? Um, when, as someone who has a bit of an anxiety disorder, when somebody just tells me, don't worry, um, <laughs> it's not, not super helpful. And just, is this, it feels dismissive sometimes. Now I can overplay that, but I, I generally see, okay, that's the, so the phrase God is on the throne or Jesus is Lord. That's the phrase I was using. Um, it's dismissive of people's realities. All right. Secondly, it promotes inaction, right? So it's just, and, and, and this is particularly true of the whole phrase, God is in control, right? Because if by God is in control, we mean that God is accomplishing his will in everything that's going on, like he's causing it, then of right. course we should be passive. Um, and so I, I totally think that critique is valid. The whole Jesus is Lord thing, I see where that could be understood in a similar way. Um, that, hey, guys, Jesus is Lord, and that can we can just mean by that, so just, just um, accept whatever's going on, right? Whatever's going on yeah. is Jesus is Lord, and it's fine. And then um, I, I also see this being um, objected to as a platitude of the privileged, right? Mm -hmm. Easy for you to say Jesus is Lord when you're not, you know, affected by the injustice of the world. Make sense? Yeah. So I, I think I can see why people would object to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which, which I, I definitely don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I think that's the thing is like Jesus is Lord doesn't also mean that, um, that things are not really difficult, right? Like it's like you either pick one or the other, like Jesus is not there or Jesus is totally in control and everything is by his hand. But <laughs> well, so, so let's, let's first off exactly right, Tim, let's first off admit that that phrase can be used in all of the ways people are sensitive to. Absolutely. So yes, it just as like the phrase, I love you, can be misused by an abuser. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. So yes, that's true. But I also wonder if these objections miss what the phrase actually is getting at. And it is more of a result of the way it's been caricatured rather than... Because who, who were the first people to say this? I mean, it wasn't privileged people announcing Jesus is Lord in the Roman Empire, right? These the, the first people announcing Jesus is Lord were the scum of the earth, right? These were the leftovers and the castoffs. There were a few rich and noble people involved in this. But early on, this was slaves and this was women. Uh, and this was like um, low-wage workers, day laborers. I mean, this was not the yeah. cream of the crop acknowledging that Jesus was Lord. It was the cry. It's always been the cry of a marginalized people, right? And and certainly, how was Jesus's lordship displayed? Well, he was a, a political, uh, he was deemed a political terrorist, and he was crucified <laughs> by the majority culture of the time. Yeah. So I get how it can be co-opted as a whitewashing whatever, but... Um, the, the phrase Jesus is Lord is actually the ground of all resistance. 
right? That it's it, instead of promoting an action, what I, I see it doing is it actually funnels and fuels resistance into a cross-shaped lens, right? And and so, because here's what I hear. I, I hear when we're talking about Sermon on the Mount, I hear people say, well, okay, it's just so unrealistic. You know, this turning the cheek and this not resisting evil. And um, it, 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 and they'll say something like, this is not the way the world works. Mm. To which my response is, well, that's exactly the point. Yes. Right. G yes. That, yes. This is not another. So you do get it. Yeah, exactly. This is not another version of the way the world works. This is a radically reconfiguring of the way the world works. So yes, yeah. if you deem it impractical in this world, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because practicality in the kingdom is no longer the greatest value. Yeah. Right? So so I hear that when we talk about Sermon on the Mount. I also hear, well, the Sermon on the Mount is, and and, and as expressed in the critique of this Jesus is Lord, uh, it's, just this, it's just this privileged thing. And I'm like, man... Who who were the people Jesus was talking to about carrying extra an extra mile? I mean, these are people being oppressed, right? You cannot. I mean, the the phrase itself, Jesus is Lord. Of course, it can be used badly, but it's actually the most important theological phrase we can be trusting in. A, it means that all injustice will ultimately be dealt with. To the phrase Jesus is Lord means Jesus is king and Jesus is judge. And his wrath in the Bible is actually good news. It means everything will be put back to the way it was intended to be. That God sees every bit of injustice and that that will be remedied. Right? That's what the yeah. phrase Jesus is, of Lord, is Lord means. I guess for me it's the inactivity that comes with it. Like, Jesus is Lord did inspire, like... Uh, participation in it and inspired people to be involved. It inspired like you to be part of um, living under that lordship, being part of that kingdom. I think now sometimes that phrase gets used and there's a like, it's like a bunch of people that say like, everyone needs to exercise, but they never leave their house and they just binge watch TV, but right. they profess and they believe that exercising is super healthy right but they don't do anything with it so yes. i see people when they people who are marginalized who have been hurt maybe by the current administration or by something when a bunch of people just say hey jesus is lord they say well i'm i'm this is that there, there's no activity that's helping me like when you wrote aslan is on the move i love that picture because that section of that book like a there was a rallying of people under the idea of what Aslan was doing. Mm -hmm. They were mm -hmm. building an army that had no hope of winning that battle. Yeah. And, and, but they're just like, no, did, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? And it inspired like this confidence and this participation in all the people. And I just, I think that now sometimes that phrase just gets used as an umbrella term and we just lose. Yeah. If there's no activity, if there, if, your kids are being deported from cages to other countries and you just hear people saying, don't worry, Jesus is Lord. It's like, great. I don't, my, I lost my children. Yes. So, and that's a, that's a, there's a big chasm between those two things. Yes. So here we are again. Thought. Well, here we are again at the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus himself will say, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do yes. impressive work in your name? And I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. So here we go 
with the same bifurcation, great word, uh, between <laughs> um, people who use the religious language of the scriptures as a club and people who um, can still be capable of that, but try to inhabit this language as a reality that instead of passivity actually fuels all the agitating and loving and serving and blessing that we can manage because we know the shape of where the universe is going. We know exactly what the universe looks like and it looks like God on a cross. And so Jesus is Lord. What, what kind of Lord are we talking about? Well, we're talking about the crucified Lord whose crucifixion was such foolishness in the first century and still is today, right? In the way of, of power, in the way of, of shininess, in the way of uh, self-promotion, Jesus is Lord is like for me. So I, I guess I don't want to give up on that phrase yet. I, um, there are some phrases I think we need to give up on. But and and I don't know that I'm an accurate judge of which which of those should be. <laughs> I guess I was just like, ah, oh, I can see where people hear the Jesus is Lord thing as just a cliche. For me, it is the ground of being. It is it yeah. is what it is what fuels every bit of involvement in the world. Is that I yeah, know that's how what I think I think that's what it's missing. It's it's like Jesus is Lord. So. I'm doing this. Yes. You know, instead of just Jesus is Lord, period. Good luck. Yes. Well, it's, it's so funny. I mean, Paul is a great example of this. So Paul's most majestic description of Jesus as risen is in 1 Corinthians 15. And he's going on and on. It's like 50 some verses about resurrected bodies and spiritual bodies and natural mortal bodies. And if we're raised this, then we're this and we're not that. And it's so confusing. And he ends on this, you know, note of death, where is your sting and your victory? And then, again, they didn't have chapter divisions. And then it's instantly into, now, about the collection for the poor. And it's there's no deviation between the theology he just outlined about the resurrected Jesus and the way it is that we're to take care of each other. And what's happened, and this the reason I wanted to get into this, is, is this reveals what um, the truncated way that a lot of our tribe has understood what it means to affirm that Jesus is Lord and how it is that we live, right? And what the Sermon on the Mount does is it just says over and over and over, Jesus is not Lord unless you live this way. This is yeah. living this way is what it means to say Jesus is Lord. Yeah. It's a completely upside down thing. And if you don't live this way, I mean, Jesus will say in another gospel, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Yeah. I mean, End of story. So I don't want to give up on that phrase. Um, because for me, it is the ultimate subversive. Because implied in it when it was first uttered is Caesar is not. Pharaoh is not. Yeah. Right? No matter how bad the oppression was, they're not the ultimate reality. Just needs to be reclaimed. Yes. And so, you know, is that what we need to do with all of the old cliches? I don't know if that's the answer. But I was just I was just thinking about it really got me thinking because we're sitting there was a great article in or a short article I think it was in the Atlantic but it was just about how there are two Americans and these two Americas don't understand or talk to each other mm -hmm. right so we've got we've got almost 70 million people on each side of these two Americas 
right? And and from so <laughs> from from so many of of my um, well, I won't describe the labels, but on one side of the issue, there are all of these people like, how could that many people vote for this kind of person? And that and there's only one answer: it's racism. And and then from the other side, it's oh, there's fraud and there's stealing and there's corruption and blah, blah, blah. And and then you have all of these people starting to beat up on anybody who wants to try to make peace, right? Any Anything that's not an out-and-out outrage against the other side is considered some sort of complicity. And yeah. And it's so interesting because the Sermon on the Mount does not ever give us the right to write off other image bearers it just doesn't and so what's going to fix this isn't going to be our social media channels and our our wokeness or our political correctness or our whatever what's gonna what's going to change this are the dinner tables around which we sit and our ability as jesus followers to actually sit and love and bless people that we really disagree with yeah you know so yeah. this this stuff could not be more timely unfortunately <laughs> nor <laughs> nor could it not be more difficult yeah what are you thinking i see the wheels turning over there no i think that's totally it. i i you know ever ever since you guys started the vox community church i think on those podcast episodes the uh the push to have eucharist centered or table fellowship center the, the great equalizer of people sitting at a table together, the fact that Jesus was almost always coming from going to or at a dinner. Yeah. Um, it's just, and then it makes me just think of the peacemaking versus peacekeeping and peacemaking is work. Like you're yep. going in there and you're trying to change things to make peace Yeah. rather than just trying to keep the status quo. So yep. I think we are called, I think that is what Jesus as Lord means is going out there and be peacemakers and, be a change and be get your hands super dirty if you don't have dirt on your fingernails you know yeah something's missing yeah your fingernails probably (laughs) maybe but yes no totally and and that i guess that's the major pushback is jesus's lord was never a call for an action this was a call for cross-shaped resistance always it's kind of become like a chill out Yes. It's it's a call for inaction. Yes. Chill out. Jesus is Lord. Jesus Jesus has this. And you're like, well, in an ultimate sense, yes. Um but the the call see, the call for Jesus is Lord is is it's the grounding for a Christian's ability to trust that Jesus's way actually works. To trust, so how can you refuse the temptation to grab political power or coercive power or violence? The only way you believe and can refuse that siren song is to is to believe the world doesn't work that way anymore. Something happened that changed the way the world works. There's a different way of keeping score, and the and the and, and so that the crucifixion of Jesus wasn't just achieving for me my individual salvation, but it was actually remaking the moral equation of the universe, right? That, yeah. that, that, that even though 
many disagreed with Rob's book, the title Love Wins is actually true. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, yes, Jesus, it, it all, this all, this is, this is going to have a, a satisfactory conclusion. Or as Dallas Willard, we had someone post on our Facebook page, the kingdom of God is never in trouble. Um, and so that those things are true, but they, what they did to the imaginations of the earliest churches, they allowed them, it, it allowed them to not have to grab a hold of the ways of changing culture that were available to them, namely violent overthrow, right? right. The violent action. And, um, and so to say that Jesus is Lord is to say that his way wins. It's interesting though, cause that idea, like, um, the kingdom of God is never in trouble or however it was worded. Yeah. There's, I feel like sometimes, I don't think that's incorrect, but the rhetoric of that, it just, it, I feel like it has made people really lazy over generations because they're just like, oh, we're on the winning team. So yeah, we're all good. Close your doors and close your windows. We'll just ride this, ride this wave to the shore and, right. you know, and did the, you guys make it? No. Well, sorry. The ocean's tough. Yeah. 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 But we'll write a song about oceans. Um, <laughs> oh Hold snap! On to the thread. Oh, oh, oh snap! Yes, no, and and the, and and, it, and really, bro, the, it's the whole gospel as American Christians have received it that promotes this inactivity. So yeah. it's the whole freaking package that has done this. You cannot read the Book of Acts and somehow come away from with, with reading that book thinking that proclaiming the gospel and embodying the gospel are two different things. Yes. Right? Yeah. For them, the proclamation of Jesus' lordship meant they had everything in common. And they cared about the poor. And they, right? I mean, they provided alternative social services to what's the bread and circus that Caesar would provide. That's what it yeah. meant for them to say he was Lord. It wasn't just, here's what happens when we die. It's everything to do with, here's how we live now. Yeah. So, yes, that has to be recaptured. That has to be recaptured. To me, Jesus is Lord is the recognition that every human kingdom, no matter how much good it may do, will never, ever, ever embody what it is that Christ has done and is doing yeah. in the world. Right, it relativizes all other allegiances, even to the political parties we like or prefer. Right, it calls calls the whole human enterprise into question, and yeah. it and it gives us and invites us to have an a uh, a different kind of imagination. So, so all that is to say, um, we didn't have to go that that was ha holy half an hour we just did on that Batman. Well, you know, it's uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot happening. Okay, so today, moving on, Sermon on the Mount. Um, we are going to deal with a topic that Tim has already touched on. It is the topic of, of note in Christian circles about, or no, in, in cultural circles about Christianity. Mm. Um, and this is, we're going to stumble on, there are two things that Jesus says very clearly um, exile you from the kingdom Two, self-righteousness and hypocrisy. And they're related. These are the two things that Jesus's love as ferocious as it is, and is non ever giving up as it is, cannot overcome. If you hang on to these things. 
So um, Jesus is going to speak a word, my brothers and sisters, um, to me and especially to Tim and his hypocrisy. And <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, buckle up. Laura is going to do our reading. And of course, she has the voice of an angel. to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with the trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Thank you, Laura. And uh, if you want to read for us, um, let uh, let Tim know. Uh, Tim at voxpodcast.com. We'd love to have some other readers, just so it's not yep. our two boring um, voices over and over and over on this thing. But um, we referenced uh, three episodes ago, we referenced this general principle in chapter six, verse one, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. And then here's the part to be seen by them. Now, Jesus told us in chapter five, when he looked at the poor in spirit and the merciful and the mourning and the peacekeepers, he said, let your light shine before people so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. And here he says, don't let your righteous acts be seen. Now, the difference between the two verses is the little phrase, in order to be seen. So the issue is not getting caught doing good things. The issue is doing right. good things in order to get caught. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, and we've also remarked a couple of times that righteousness was reduced to three practices, prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. And of those three, almsgiving was the most important, almost synonymous in the Pharisees day. So Jesus is going to use those three examples. We've talked about this a couple of episodes ago to undercut. Um, again, he's showing what the greater righteousness of the kingdom looks like as opposed to the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. So he's going to give three examples. We're going to look at two of them today, which is giving and fasting. And then the praying bit, we're going to, we're going to spend some time on that one as its own thing, because there's a lot there that is going to raise a lot of questions for us. So Interesting. Um, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others in order to be seen. So it's a question of motive. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. Now, we're all of chapter six has to do with heavenly rewards and earthly rewards. And we've got to clarify heaven and earth are not different timestamps. Earth is now and heaven is in the future. Heaven and earth have to do with different realms of authority that exist now. Hmm. Right? So heavenly treasure isn't gold streets in heaven. And earthly treasure isn't just money. 
these are ways, Jewish ways of talking about prioritizing the things of this world versus prioritizing the things of the kingdom. All right, that, that's just summary. So your father in heaven isn't your father somewhere else. It's your father who is reigning and ruling in the space that's not earth. All right? And, and, and this phrase of reward, if you do, you'll have no reward. And there's tons of debate about well, what's that mean? Like when we do good stuff, we get rewarded. And the Bible yeah. doesn't actually shy away from saying that there are rewards. Now, obviously, the, the biggest thing it says is the reward of following Jesus is Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And the reward of obedience is, is obedience. I mean, that's, and for those of us who've lived in flagrant ways opposing, um, you know, the, the ways of Jesus, then we know that the punishment of sin is just often sin itself. Right. So, so uh, that could be what he's saying, or there could be something more. We just don't know. But it's certainly a very Jewish thing to say that your father, who is in the realm of the heavens right now, will reward you for doing what is right. That's a very Jewish yeah. way to put this. First example, giving. And Jesus, of course, assumes this is a fundamental Christian duty. This is not something that's optional for Jesus' followers, right? Uh, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets in order to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Now, the phrase in full has to do with a receipt. When, you, when you've paid off something and no more is owed, you have paid in full. So the idea is, if it's the applause of other people that you want, literally, that is all <laughs> you will receive. Yeah. Nothing else. Nothing else. Um, so Jesus says a couple of things that are super interesting. One, he uses the word hypocrite, and that's the word we're going to camp on for the next couple of episodes. Because until, and, and, and I've read this a couple of places, the, the claim that is made by some scholars is that until Jesus uses this word this way, it was a neutral word. It was not a bad word. It was not an insult oh, or pejorative. A hypocrite was someone in Greek theater who wore a mask. All the right. all the all the actors were men, and so you would wear a mask uh, to portray a character. That would be a different emotion, could be a different race, could be obviously a different gender. And um, and Jesus grew up. Um, I think it's three miles outside of Sepphoris, which was destroyed before Jesus was born, and there were thousands of Jews that were crucified but was being rebuilt during Jesus's childhood and perhaps his father as a tecton and Jesus as an apprentice would have gone up and worked there. And there was a massive Greek theater. So perhaps that's where Jesus borrows the word. Obviously we're reading in the lines there, but, but hypocrite for us, it's always meant this, but for Jesus's culture, this just meant one who wore masks. That there was a duality or a distinction between the person's real face and the face they wore in public. All right. So up till this point, it was just known that that was like a way of pretending or acting. Yeah. Not in a negative or positive way. That's right. Yeah. A hypocrite was just an actor. And, and so it wasn't, it it wasn't a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, we, and to some degree, even though we don't wear masks, I mean, we, we know that when our best actors and actresses, there's a distinction between how they are and how they are playing, right, right. In, a, in a role. Kind of like how we live on Instagram. Well, we're going to get to that, my friend. <laughs> 
Because though we don't blow trumpets anymore to announce our, our goodness and righteousness, we do plenty of other things. But we'll get there. Yeah. So uh, Jesus simply says um, that giving is a good thing and giving to the needy is a good thing. But if you're doing it to impress other people with how generous you are, then their impression of you is all the reward you will receive. Yeah. So what Jesus does is he doesn't say, wait until your motive is perfect to give. Instead, what he does is he gives us a very practical way of giving, which is to use a, a, a colloquialism to not let your right hand know what your left hand's doing, right? Which is just insofar as you are able, do not announce this and practice it in secret, <laughs> you know? And yeah. then... And then again, here, he's playing off the Father in heaven. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Mm. So what's the problem with hypocrisy? The problem with hypocrisy is that the Father sees what is done in secret. Right. Right? You, that, yeah. Yep. And so if you're just a hypocrite to fool people, then the fooling of people is all that will happen. Yeah. Um, so... Oh, it's so juicy. It's so juicy. It's just so good. So um, now, now, of course, all of this can be abused. Of course, of course, of course. And so people have justified greed saying, well, we can't tell anybody uh, what's happened to the money because the right hand would know what the left hand's doing and blah, blah. I mean, of course, all this nonsense. But Jesus is just being very, very practical, right? He invites his followers to inhabit a new kind of rightness. But the temptation will be, instead of glorifying God, to glorify themselves as they do it. And um, he's just practically saying the new rightness that God's interested in is a rightness that actually protects people from the impression that you're not poor in spirit, or that you're not mourning, or that you're not merciful, right? Or that somehow you've yeah. arrived. So, um, so... And then your father who sees in secret. And this idea of him seeing in secret is woven all throughout the passage. And then your father who sees in secret will reward you. Oh, yeah. so many thoughts. Now we'll get to rewards <laughs> later at the end of this section when he, he starts talking about treasure in heaven. Right. Um, so don't, don't lay up treasure in heaven. So he's riffing on treasure and secret and reward um, for the next, for most of chapter six, which is super cool. All right. So that's, that's the giving example. The fasting example, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show others. They are fasting. Literally the Greek reads, they become unrecognizable in order to be recognized. <laughs> I like that. Isn't that juicy? So they, they become unrecognizable to be recognized. Yes. They disfigure their faces in order to show they're, they're involved in piety. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, so good. So this is, this is ancient virtue signaling. Right. <laughs> because the Pharisees made a big deal of the fact that they, they fasted. The law only had a few required fasts, but they fasted twice a week. Right? They made a big deal of this. Um, and then Jesus, of course, says, but when you fast, <laughs> put oil on your head and wash your face, so it will not be obvious that you are fasting, hmm. but, you're, but only to your father who is unseen, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
Yeah. Oh, it's so, so good. All right. So Jesus, and now again, prayer is in here and secret, praying in secret is in here. And so uh, we're, we're going to segment that out though, because there's so many other things about prayer that uh, we want to deal with. Because Jesus is going to say some like, ask and it will be given, um, you right. know, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. Um, so we're, we're going to jump into all that juicy kind of stuff. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, ay, ay. But for today, let's just talk about all of the ways we put on a good show. Just you and I personally. Oh, I, I have an, I, I have enough personally <laughs> that we could fill several hours. You know what I mean? Yes. It, yes. it is. Uh, and, I know that about you. Oh, well, you do actually. <laughs> yes, you, yes, you do. Um, and, uh, and so, so we want to, you know, of course, um, I feel like I should say that that was a joke. Uh, I'm also referring to the fact that I have plenty of my own Just in case people are like, geez, Tim. Oh yeah. I think people normally recognize you as very self-righteous and self-centered. I think so. So in, in, in the spirit of this <laughs> section of the Sermon on the Mount, I'm trying to purge my self-righteousness. Exactly. Oh, and, and it's so funny the the early Christians, um, in a discipleship manual called the Didache, which was around hundred AD, they actually made sure that Christians, if they were going to fast, fasted on the days, the Pharisees didn't fast. Um, so the Pharisees fasted uh, Mondays and Thursdays on market days. And the early Christians were called to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays to distinguish. So themselves. the divisions begin. Oh, indeed. All right. So, um, there's so much here. And, and, and I think Tim, I think what we want to do is we want to spend a couple of weeks on, on hypocrisy because Jesus talks a ton about it. And it's more than just, hey, we all know we're hypocrites, guys, so Jesus is Lord. He's not, like, he has he has some things to say here, not only in the Sermon on the Mount, but in other places that, at least for me, I really need to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, because the, 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 the hypocrisy is so insidious that, because um, there's a, there's an intentional hypocrisy, um, right. Which we're all capable of in virtue signaling or whatever, but then there's an unintentional hypocrisy where I just have blind spots. And even though yeah. my words, like I I've talked myself into believing that I believe this, but if you were to look That's at my what I was life, say the, the intentional often just breeds into the unintentional. Yes. Yes. It's a gateway drug. As they used to say. Yeah. Um, as they used to say, not anymore in several states, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, so, so, I mean, oh goodness. First of all, um, there is in Jesus's spirituality an impulse to not dress up, um, the, the kingdom in external accolades, um, to, let it lay bare in all of its weakness and fragility and smallness and slowness. That's so interesting. You know what I mean? You, it doesn't need yep. help and it doesn't need our pretending. And my Lord, if there isn't, if there couldn't be a more harsh word to be spoken against all of us, like myself who love to count 
bigness and shininess and fog machines and awesomeness yeah. and the next this is great and this is life changing and we have and Jesus has a PR firm and here Jesus <laughs> is simply announcing the kind of rightness that needs no one to appreciate it or applaud it yeah in order for it to serve in the kingdom i mean my lord cuz i mean think about how and and we've made this point many other places but the kind of american christianity that many of us have embraced encourages the the mask wearing right because it's it, everything's in a shiny red bow you can't be depressed pissed angry you can't be an addict we have special ministries for those people um you can't you right. can't be honest if you're working in a professional christian environment or you lose your job uh i mean there's just all sorts of structural issues that encourage the duality between who I am and how I act. And if you work in Christian circles, there's a financial incentive behind that. Yeah. Oh, so devastating. Uh, and so Jesus's response is if you have to make a show of it, it's not real. Yeah. We have a church in Columbus that continually announces that it's, it's one of the fastest growing churches in right. the um in the state or in the nation and i just if you have to announce that then your church is sick yeah you know what i mean i mean it's just it just speaks and it speaks at my heart because we all count everything's ranked we're all numbered um and so oh it's just such a brutal reality uh to kind of run headlong into this you don't if you instagram your righteousness you have lost your reward you know what i mean i mean well it's is so it interesting possible? how much we want it we like we want to be seen as pious or we want to be seen as good yes the, but it's just, the whole thing's so backwards it's fascinating listen listen to the dictionary definition of virtue signaling the action or practice of publicly expressing opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or the moral right. correctness of one's position. So you can say, as long as you say the right things on social media, it doesn't matter if you live, you can say black lives matter. Right. But if, if, I mean, it, it's just a flip of the whole Jesus is Lord thing, right? I mean, you can virtue signal yes. all freaking day. And, um, and the problem with social media is that the mob, mob will tell you whether or not you virtue signaled correctly and, and shame you or whatever. And, um, and, and no one cares whether or not you actually live in a way that's congruent with what you're signaling. So what you've right. described Tim, is absolutely right. I can vote and not put an, I voted sticker on, I can go on a missions trip and not take pictures of the poor people that I'm ministering to, right? <sighs> I mean, come freaking on. So you wonder why it is that Jesus doesn't do his best work in America anymore. Well, it's just for this. We, we've fallen in love with groups of people who are not represented in the Beatitudes and a kind of ministry that is not represented in the Sermon on the Mount. You know what I mean? So yes, it's not, it's not shocking um, when I'm concerned with virtue signaling and I mean me, I mean, like I, I want to have 
I want to have opinions on everything that's coming down. And it's a discipline <laughs> not to just have opinions and to know like, when is it okay to be prophetic and to teach and to model something? And when is it turned into just a self-absorbed expression of pride? And I don't know yeah. that I have that figured out yet. Yeah. I'm just knowing if I'm going to err, I got to err on the side of shutting my yap before I do anything. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So there's one implication. Jesus doesn't need applause or marketing. How about that? He doesn't need our pretending. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. I, you know, when I was 19 or so, I worked at a big Christian bookstore and well, this is irrelevant. I think Never do mind. it, do it. <laughs> there was just that, there was that version of presenting a more like I had to go out and label the CDs. You know, it's like, if your kid <laughs> likes smashing pumpkins, they'll love this. Or if your kid loves this band, they'll love this. And then parents come in and they'd ask, like, what, my kid's into this music, what can I? I was like, well, you know, <laughs> this is what I'm supposed to show you, but Smashing Pumpkins are way better. <laughs> like, if you want to get better music. <laughs> but it was like creating the, you know, they'd make the Reese's Pieces shirts, but it'd be Jesus Pieces or whatever, but it'd be oh, Reese's boy. font. And it was like oh, wow. creating this entire culture of, uh, of, uh, presenting this idea all these ideas in a manufactured way it just yeah. it, it's it, it's i just i don't know why it reminded me of that but it reminds me of just being in there and like it was you had to present this version but that was kind of where it ended yeah like i can wear the i can wear the jesus pieces whatever that even means <laughs> shirt out into public and um yeah weird stuff <laughs> Sorry, that was a sidetrack. No, no, that's but that's it. That's that's how it gets manifest. Everything is safe for the family, sanitized and cleaned up. And I understand that sometimes it has to be, right? People are at different stages in their faith. You don't introduce them to everything at once in the same way we do with our kids, right? We we are discerning. Got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But but there's an energy somehow that our witness to the world resides only in our strength and polish. Um, and not in our brokenness and weakness. And Jesus, I mean, yeah. obviously dismantles this. Um, but it doesn't matter to us. It does not matter when James, Jesus' brother, channels the Sermon on the Mount in the book of James. Right, That's part two, by the way, of the Sermon on the Mount. And he just says very simply, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Period. Mm -hmm. And you see that in the life of Jesus. You see it in his ministry. What disqualifies people? He, Jesus doesn't disqualify people, but it's self-righteousness and hypocrisy. That's what, yeah. right? Because we always, we're always hypocrites to, to our betterment, right? We're always putting on a face to present ourselves right. as better than we are. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so our judgment then just becomes an expression of that hypocrisy and self-righteousness. And Jesus, ah, oh, I hate him and I love him and he's so wonderful and he tortures me. Because there's just no wiggle room in this stuff. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's like... Just, it's so funny, though, to look at it like from this version being like a bird's eye view of the conversation just because we're sitting safely on microphones right. and talking about it to look at like how ridiculous it looks to um, be fasting and going out and saying like, I'm so hungry, but I'm doing this to better 
the world for Jesus or, or whatever, whatever you're, you know, fasting on behalf of, but the, it looks so ridiculous from a bird's yeah. eye view of just like, Oh, what I wouldn't give for a Whopper right now. I don't know why a Whopper. <laughs> That's a... <laughs> well, and, you're welcome and Burger I... King. <laughs> oh, I just remember like there were all of these and who knows if these were fake, but there, there were uh, moments during um, June and July when um, the protests after George Floyd was murdered were in full swing that people would Instagram other people Instagramming at these protests. Right. They'd walk up to a protest, take a picture, and then walk away and drive, drive off somewhere. And yeah. um, it, it was just a perfect parable for this exact kind of spirituality. Yep. And, and so we just, what Jesus is going to say about prayer is God doesn't need your polish. He doesn't need your honest, or he doesn't need your goodness. He needs your honesty. That's it. He doesn't need your hashtag. Doesn't need your hashtag. It's okay. And, and, and the, the only way to work this out, and this is the last thing we'll say, at least until we talk about this next time, but the only way to work this out is in community. That's the only Mm -hmm. way you can be exposed in humble, gentle, gracious fashion to the blind spots we all have. Yes. And, um, and so, you know, this requires, like you made a joke about knowing me. Well, that's, that's actually one of the most life-giving things I've ever lived in is that you and Bonnie and others have walked and lived and spoken truth and given grace. Like that's real. And, um, and so, you know, there's there's such goodness in that sort of friendship uh, because this isn't something we just do with me and Jesus in a Bible in a room. This is no. this is like, Lord, I constantly need. I'm like a freeway in Ohio, constantly under construction. Right, right. there are places where <laughs> where where the ride is smooth, and there's right. fresh tar, and it's been repaired. Yeah. And there are lots of potholes. And guess what? No matter no matter how long I live, it will always be under construction to the great inconvenience of people who need to use it. <laughs> right? It's just yeah. it's just true. And so for me, this is utterly liberating because I don't want to be the kind of person who is after any reward other than right. becoming the kind of person that looks and acts like Jesus. I'm just compelled by him i want to be yeah. like that i don't want to need the applause i don't want to need the external props and the validation and all of those sorts of things i just i want to be the kind of man who does good for its own sake and well that's uh, that's a i'm i've always struggled with this and i it's always been a hard thing for me even working for the church it was very hard for me this idea of you 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 know you take care of the poor is it because uh jesus commanded that or is it because the poor are in need you know what i mean like or there's a third uh, option what's that i need the poor to remind me i need the poor yeah it's not just yeah yeah not the poor are needy it's that i'm needy right I've always struggled with, I I think there is something to the, when you said the community thing, that's what made me think of that is like uh, uh, healing and growth and all that kind of stuff in community, like being an Enneagram 
four, five, as I'm learning more about the Enneagram, because I have to, apparently. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to love Jesus. I'm, yes, I'm such a self-isolator, because I'm just not, I'm, a, I'm an extreme introvert. I And I've lived a, a majority of the last decade thinking that I am at my safest and most healthy when I'm on my own, mm. and have found that to be false. Mm. Um, and so Jesus constantly pushing for community, um, God developing things through community, 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 community. Um, I think that that is, I don't know. I, I love how much Jesus um, subtly uh, ties these things back together. <laughs> like he's not just like, listen, guys, do it this way. But he's just like, as he's weaving these things, you see totally. the healing and community and you see these things and it brings back things from before. And he's just like, it proves itself because it's true and real in that way. Like he doesn't have to hammer yeah. and hand out a pamphlet. That's like, just as a reminder of what I said back in verse two was this, <laughs> you see, like it just, it organically goes that way. Cause that's just the, the natural way that it should go. Yeah. Well, that's why the, yeah. Yep. No, that's, I think that's so true. And, and what's beautiful is then you see Jesus in the rest of Matthew doing all of these things. Oh yeah. Like you just that that's that's why I think Matthew puts this early. Like literally it's after chapter 4 Jesus began to preach on the kingdom then bam here's the what he preached on the kingdom and then you yeah. just see him do that. Right? So these aren't random stories about lepers and demon possessed people and rich men and random Jews, right? This is this is him uh, having total integrity towards uh, the the because this is what it is to be human to forgive, right? And to yeah. to bless, to serve, to I mean, so so it's as always, it's just a lot bigger than we were told, you know. And um, you know, and maybe every generation has to learn that itself. But totally, I think that's totally true. Yeah. And maybe this, it's just our turn to go, holy crap, this thing is amazing. And so much of the pushback against it isn't pushing back against it. Yes. It's pushing back against what we've done to it in our falseness and our hypocrisy, you know, in our, in our woundings. Man, totally. I think it's a hundred percent every gener. I think this is such an organic, it's an exercise that everyone should be. It's like, it's like if my grandparents learned how to swim and then never taught any of us, but just assumed that we would all be really great swimmers. Right. And And instead when we get in the water, we just flail and fall. (laughs) Yeah. And to find, and to try to find trusted guides who are older but who have learned yeah. this lesson? Yes, because it seems like for 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 some, as they get older, the 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 kingdom grows smaller. Jesus gets smaller, mm. and there are a few for whom Jesus gets bigger. And those people, man, they're never without people who want to be with them. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, Brueggemann and oh, uh... absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Brennan Manning uh, was was this way. Dallas Willard was this way. Yeah, right? that curiosity I mean, that continues to yeah, grow. Yeah, Beth Moore. Yeah, it's inspiring. I mean, she's not old. Yeah, but she's older than us. I'd yeah. pu- I'd put her up there for sure. Yeah, Ruth Graham. Yes. Um, 
there are, but it's, it's hard to find NT Wright. There are some of these trusted guides who in their magnanimity give us a bit of a shortcut so that we don't have to do all the chiseling ourselves. Yeah. When they have the whole, uh, what was it? Reading rainbow response to it too, where it's just like, don't take my word for it. Yeah. Like go get in the book and find out like, here's, here's great information from what I've learned and what I've seen when I'm still learning. But yeah, go check it out. And And as I get older and by older, I mean in my late twenties, I, I want to be that kind of person. Me too. I want to, I want to just be like, Oh, by the way, it's, it's a lot bigger. It's really, and it's really, it's actually really cool. And you don't have to take my word for it. Um, so, and, and the only, the only place I've learned about its coolness is in my brokenness. Yeah. I never learned about its coolness in my strength, pride, competency. I've only <laughs> learned about its coolness in my absolute disintegration. Yeah. See, and then that's a thing too. That's a, that's a rhetorical term that I feel like people have lost, um, like that God does his best work in your brokenness or whatever. Like it's a rhetorical term that we've lost what that means because uh, it has such a negative connotation to it, but it is true. Like this is where we are our most surrendered and our most open to hearing Jesus and seeing and, and being willing to invest and move. And it's hard to do that when you're, how do you say it? Putting perfume on your head and, or <laughs> no, sorry, that's the opposite, but like going out and like, Oh, yep. disfiguring at, yourself. Yes. Yeah. Disfiguring yourself. And, and Yeah. The best thing about this too is this whole series makes all this stuff. Like I was saying, those those connections are made. Um, I, I it makes everything so much clearer for me, and makes Jesus make so much more sense, for lack of a better term. And I have about two hundred questions just from today. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, that's exactly what, that's that's what Bible study should do. It shouldn't close conversations; it should open them. Yeah, I have a ton. Yo, and you're just like, well, what's this? And how about this? And how about this? Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> so that, it's that's the greatest thing ever. So anyway, friends, um, thanks for tuning in. It really, I, I know we say it every time, and I know I say this about saying it every time, but it really is an honor. It really <laughs> is, actually. And um, this, uh, this is, I get more out of this than anybody else. It just, it's so amazing to be in conversation with you all. So um, anyway, friends, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> and uh, let's hang on to that in the next week or so <laughs> in the best way possible. And uh, Manifest it. Oh, even better. All right. Till next time, friends. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this conversation. The Vox Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Vox Podcast. You can also engage with the hosts on social media at facebook.com backslash Vox Podcast. On Instagram, at Fox Podcast, and on Twitter, at Mike Erie. Thank you for walking this road with us.